Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, what's a vacation? You can put any kind of intonation on that you want. Let's get started. Entrepreneurs and business owners have always carried the weight of their company on their shoulders. Come on, you know that. If you ever started a business or thought about it or you have family or friends or colleagues or people down the block who are new business owners or were at one time new, precious few days off. You miss the holidays. You miss the vacations, the birthdays. That's the way it goes. But... In today's digital economy, the pressure to quote-unquote mind the store is literally always on. You just don't get a break. Why? Customers are online on every possible device in every location around the world 24-7. You want to do business? You need to either have something set up to serve and service them or you need to be there. And perhaps even more important... 74% of your prospects and your customers are using social networks to make their buying decision before they even talk to you or your salesperson. And maybe worse, they're sharing their experiences with friends and people they haven't even met yet through social networking. So the big question on the table is, how can small players, or we'll say new players, use social selling? digital decision tools, and e-commerce solutions to compete with the big kids, but still retain the uniqueness that makes them special. And I'm talking to you, so I'm going to say retain your uniqueness that makes you special as a new concept, a new business, a new product. I'm so pleased today to welcome back three panelists who joined me on March 24th, earlier this year, 2016, on our series called Meet the Visionary Game Changers. The topic then was was becoming digital, staying human, be true to you and your business. And we're spinning that a little bit and talking about today, surviving as the always-on entrepreneur for our part two. Let me just tell you who my panelists are, and then I'll introduce them. First up, we're going to be speaking with Lil Moen, M-O-H-A-N. He's an entrepreneur and academician with a passion for bringing great technology products and services to life. He's on the faculty at the University of Chicago Booth Graduate School of Business. Then we're going to introduce Max Dower of Unfortunate Portrait. Interesting name. He's the artist and founder of Unfortunate Portrait, started his apparel and artwork business after his drawings, quote-unquote, caught fire on Instagram. He decided not to complete that law degree and to roll the dice and launched his company because he thought it had infinite potential, and it looks like it does. And then third up on the panel, we're welcoming back Susan B. Reynolds. She's the Global VP of Partner Ecosystem at SAP focusing on creating sales and program architecture to explode the reach of the new small to mid-sized enterprise, small business, solution, SAP, anywhere. So let's start out welcoming Lil Moen officially. Lil has sent me a quote from George Bernard Shaw. Those of you try to remember, who was Shaw? Well, he lived from 1856 to 1950. He liked to be known as Bernard Shaw. I don't think most of us paid any attention to that. He was an Irish playwright, critic, and polemic whose influence on Western theater, culture, and politics extended from the 1880s all the way to his death in 1950 and beyond. And here's the important thing. He wrote more than 60 plays, including major works like Man and Superman in 
1902 Pygmalion, we know that as My Fair Lady, and St. Joan in 1923, a lot of satire and historical allegory. He was considered the leading dramatist of his generation and was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1925. Okay, Bonnie, get to it. Here's the quote. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Lil Moen, welcome back. How have you been? I've been great, Bonnie. It's been wonderful. Thank you. We are so happy to have you back, Lil. And I love the quote from G.B. Shaw. Did you know that he wanted to be called just Bernard Shaw and we all ignored it? Were you aware of that? It it so happens that I do because uh, where I grew up, uh, everybody called him Bernard Shaw. I mean, all plays by him. So we always thought his name was Bernard Shaw and then realized it was George Bernard Shaw, actually. So, yes. Interesting. So tell me about this quote. It sounds like a quote we should put up in light somewhere, Lil. It's so important to every topic, but how does it relate to our topic of the always-on entrepreneur, please? Yeah. If you, if you, obviously, it's a tongue-in-cheek comment, and um, it, it refers to all the misunderstandings and the misinterpretations that can be made to what people have to say, particularly businesses. And when you have a bunch of businesses which are always-on or otherwise, and you're on digital media, I think the most important thing for you to be monitoring or watching is if you're being heard and listened to and if what you're saying is actually getting through. I think there's a lot of noise that comes along the way. And to me, things like social media give you an opportunity to correct all those misinterpretations by having a more continuous dialogue. And that sort of refers back to the comment that Bernard Shaw makes saying, like, if you, if you really think you make communication, then maybe... You should know that, that people have actually got you. Which, Lil, today is, is a little bit of a challenge because, well, right now I'm tweeting about what you're saying and your colleagues on the panel are saying, on Twitter, I've got 140 characters. How expressive can I be? I'm trying to get to the meat of meat on the bones, to the, the core, the pith, if you will, of these messages. But there's not a lot of flavor or nuance in what I'm doing. Uh, probably people in a hurry on Facebook are doing similar things. So do you think that uh, what would Shaw say, Mr. Shaw, what would he say if he knew how we were communicating today? Because he passed away in 1950, long before what we're doing today with digital and, and anything to do with social networking. What would he say today? OMG, seriously, this is communication. What do you think he'd say, Lil? <laughs> so, so that, that, that's really funny. You know, uh, I think he'd be turning in his grave first of all, uh, and I, I would, I would, I would think he'd say, "You guys have it easy," because in his time, I would think you would say he would think that if he had to say something, he had to think about it quite a bit and say it once, and hopes that people got it. And especially when they're, when they're writing stuff on parchment and things of that sort. But <laughs> today you have the ability of doing 140 characters, but you can do it over and over and over again 10 times until you get it right. And people will listen to you 10 times because of the way the communication actually happens. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Thank you very much, Lil. Good introduction to our topic, and uh, we have a lot more to talk about. So let's turn to Max Dower, Unfortunate Portrait. And Max sent me a quote from Scott Cook. Let me just read a little information because I didn't know who Scott was. Shame on me. Uh, Scott Cook started his career at P&G. That's Procter & Gamble, where he learned about product development, market research, and marketing, which is what all entrepreneurs should be doing when they start out. He began using his insights learned there to look for a company of his own. 
own to own. And then the idea came one day. His wife was complaining about the bills. People, listen to your spouse, for goodness sake. They may be the start, the genesis of a brilliant business idea. So with personal computers just coming out at that time, Scott Cook thought, hmm, there may be a market for basic software that could help people like my wife pay their bills. So guess what? 1983, he launched Intuit which offers software and online products to help individuals and small companies manage their finances. And not to be forgotten, his wife named Signe, S-I-G-N-E, Osby, he and, I, and she established the Center for Brand and Product Management at the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Business, the nation's number one university-based center focused exclusively on training MBAs in brand and product management. So he and his wife had more in common than her problem paying the bills. In 2005, Scott Cook was number 320 on the Forbes 400 list with a net worth of eh, $1.1 billion. So what? I'm laughing. Uh, here's the quote Max Dower has selected. Max, we should we only be so lucky at $1.1 billion. Here's a quote. A brand is no longer what we tell the consumer it is. It is what consumers tell each other it is. Max Dower, how have you been? How's the portrait business? I'm, I've been great. I'm a little bit sick. I've got a cold right now, so I sound weird. That's, that's why. But otherwise, I am doing very well. You actually sound very good to me. Uh, you, okay, you, and good. It's like the last day of it, so I, you know, well, it's almost gone here. Thank God. So talk to me yeah. about the quote. Are you a big fan of Scott Cook's? And, and this, I, is, this applies to you. This quote applies to your business, so talk to me. Yeah, I like the quote. You know, I, I, I looked him up. A friend sent me that, and I, I really liked it. I think that, um, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, you, you know, you can communicate only so much on social media in, in your message as the brand, and what's more important often is, you know, how the communication goes right after you communicate that one thing because there's going to be a dialogue around it between the people, you know, the customers are going to be talking on social media and that's going to be a bigger conversation going on after you say what you say. Um, And that's kind of where, you know, you really get to determine if your message was was delivered the way that you hoped it would be Um, and maybe you get to see how that message changes, you know, as far as like what you were trying to get across, people will transform it, uh, you know, on their own amongst each other. And sometimes that's for the better. Um, You know, sometimes it's not. But yeah, I think that a big part of kind of brand identity and communicating messages now is how people receive it and then talk about it amongst themselves on the internet. Max, would you say that the consumers who made you a smash hit on Instagram were the ones who created your brand? Did you really, even at that point, know you would have a brand, know you would have a business, or were you still pursuing your law degree? I did, and they absolutely yeah. did. They, they created it. You know, it's, it, there's like no doubt, because just the simple fact that it wasn't even intended to be one when I first started, you know, posting drawings on Instagram, it wasn't supposed to be a brand, and, and people you know, made it a brand. I, I, I certainly didn't. It wasn't a plan. So I guess, yeah, that, that quote is special meaning to me because that's kind of like the inception of my company was was dependent on communication that didn't come from me. You know, I started it, I guess. You know, I, I made the post, but then what came after that and is what made it into uh, a business, and that was people, you know, sharing it all over social media and, you know, doing raising the awareness and all that stuff. So, yeah. Very powerful. Thank you. I, as I read that quote, Max, I said, this is Max's story. 
It wasn't yeah. that it, he wasn't telling people what his brand was because he didn't know he had a brand because he didn't right. have anything. He just had his drawings. And all of a sudden, bingo, people said, wow, there's a brand there. We love it. We're going to buy it. We're going to make it famous. We're going to make this guy a real entrepreneur. So it, in a sense, this was pre-brand. <laughs> it's what consumers create your brand to be. I love it. Thank you, Max. Feel better. We're going to give you a break to go get a sip of something. We're going to ask you what you're drinking in about three minutes. And we're okay. now going to call on our third panelist, Susan Reynolds, as I said, Global VP of Partner Ecosystem at SAP. And Susan has sent me a quote from Sam Altman, full name Samuel H. Altman. He's, oh my goodness. Max, you got to hear this. This guy, uh, Mr. Altman, was born in 1985. He's all of 31. I don't know how old Max is. He's an entrepreneur, programmer, venture capitalist, and blogger. He's the president of Y Combinator and the co-chair of OpenAI. And just let me tell you, at age 19, Sam Altman was co-founder and CEO of Looped, L-O-O-P-T, a location-based social networking mobile app, which was acquired in 2012 by Green Dot Corporation for a mere $43.4 million. And Altman was named the president of Y Combinator, the most commercially successful seed stage accelerator in 2014. He was named the top investor under 30 by Forbes last year, 2015. He was named one of the best young entrepreneurs in technology by Business Week back in 20, 2008. He was listed as one of the five most interesting startup founders between 1979 and 2009 by his colleague Paul Graham. I'm looking to see whether they have a net worth for him, but I know he's up there. So let's stop talking about him. Let me give the quote, Susan. The startups that do well are the ones that are working all the time. Susan Reynolds, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, thank you. You are a busy lady. I know you're calling from Sapphire, SAP's huge Sapphire Now conference in Orlando. How is it going? Yeah, it's great. Um, they just got off the stage with the keynote, so this was perfect timing, and it's, it's talking about you know so many of the same things that we're going to talk about, just how, how are people using technology to transform what they do. So it's, it's great to combine the two this morning. Terrific. Thank you so much. Very big thank you, Susan, for taking time out from Sapphire. I know how crammed everybody's schedule is, and you're one of the brave ones, so we're delighted to have you. Tell me, are you a big fan, follower of this 31-year-old genius, Sam Altman? How did you come to find this quote? Yeah, I mean, and I live in uh, Boulder, Colorado, when I'm not down here in Orlando, which is a big kind of VC entrepreneurial town, and so I try to follow a lot of those guys because I think what they're thinking about and what they're talking about, they're, to me, they're generally on the forefront of what's happening in new businesses today and, and how do we think about what you know, business looked like starting a business 10 years ago is really different than what it looks like today and very different than what it's going to look like 10 years from now. So I love to hear kind of what they're thinking about because I think they're good at gauging not just how to succeed today, but how do you build for tomorrow. Very interesting. And tell me something. Is there any way around it, seriously? You're either the one manning or womaning the phones and the web and the email and the service sites or whatever you're doing, or you've got to have apps and other people doing it. Is there any way around it other than being, as we said in the opening, always on? That is the life, isn't it, of startups today, Susan? Well, but I think it has reached the breaking point where we have to think about it differently because there are no more hours in the day. I think historically you could potentially solve a lot of your problem by just working harder and throwing more of your personal time at a problem. And where we are today with, you know, even small businesses with a small number of products or a perception in their head that they're small are really huge because they're 
selling across multiple locations, not just in their state or their country, but maybe the world. So there's no possible way to solve that kind of a problem of how do I sell globally and do that well without starting to pull in other elements of technology and people that are going to allow that. I mean, I think that becomes kind of a digital breaking point that you just can't survive right now by trying to throw only your own personal hours and mental capital at a problem. Thank you. I'm going to tweet that. The digital breaking point. I think we've just coined a term. Have you you copyrighted that? Sam Altman may have said that before a long time ago. Who knows? They've said a lot of the really cool phrases, but I'll take it for today. I'm I'm putting I'm making you famous. I absolutely am. thank you, Susan. <laughs> Pleasure to have you back. And uh, special shout out to Ramana Ridinger at SAP for inviting the three of you on her series, which is now on hiatus. As I mentioned, you three were on with me on March 24th on Meet the Visionary Game Changers, and the three of you certainly are visionary and game changers. So now we have to find out. We're going to take that little break from all of this serious talk and find out what you're drink where you're calling from and what you're drinking today or what you plan to drink later in the day. Lil Moen, where are you, and what's in your cup today, or what are you going to be drinking later? Uh, I am in Palo Alto, California, which is my home office, and I'm working out of there today. And uh, I am drinking, or I just drank, a cup of regular coffee, which is uh, pretty normal for me to do at this time, because it's only at about uh, it's 8.20 in the morning here. And um, the only thing interesting about the coffee is that I brew it myself, and I use a brewing machine which is 25 years old. And the only mm. thing it does is it grinds the stuff. And to make the coffee interesting every day, I, I have two or three different kinds of roasted beans. And I kind of mix and match different quantities of them and fool around with the mixture to get some sort of a, a new flavor every day. So that's what I'm drinking. I like that. 25-year-old machine. Is that considered a modern antique it is. Uh, there's, a, there's a company in it, uh, from Italy called Capresso, which was very new in the 90s. And they made this little gadget which ground the beans and then dropped it into a regular drip coffee. And it was, that's all I have. It's not something sophisticated. And for some reason, it still works. Well, I'm glad it works and it sounds delicious, actually. So you take a sip. That sounds really good. And Max Dower, where are you and what are you drinking today? I'm in Los Angeles, and uh, it's yeah, it's early for me. So I'm I'm doing iced coffee, but I just, you know, you get the concentrate where you're supposed to mix it with water, and then it becomes iced coffee. But I figured I really need it right now, and I, I just went straight for the concentrate and put ice in it, and I'm I'm drinking a very strong homemade iced coffee right now. Wow. And I have to remind you, Max, when you were on with me in March, you had ordered an, a Starbucks iced coffee, and you paid for it online. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I still still use that app. It's the Cut the Line app. It's, it's great. Very yeah, interesting. This I have I that. Was, you know, but. Okay, and um, Lil, I want to remind you that I wrote in my notes here that uh, you were drinking a pearl milk tea, bubble tea, that day. So very yes. interesting. You switched from tea to coffee. I know too much about you. Well, let's be honest. <laughs> Susan, Susan B. Reynolds, you're in Orlando at Sapphire now. Last time you were drinking dark hot chocolate that you purchased from Angelina's online, angelina-paris.fr. What are you drinking today? I bet you don't have that with you at Sapphire, Susan. <laughs> no, I don't. I actually have like like a protein smoothie thing because uh, for anybody who hasn't been to Sapphire, it's about a 20,000-person event. So it's got a lot of both you know, physical and mental stamina required to, to attend. There's a lot of walking. So I've got a protein shake. 
Wonderful. What are you wearing? A comfortable shoes, I hope. <laughs> yes, definitely. We talk about them as sapphire shoes so that you can walk. <laughs> we'll walk a few miles today, but it's great. You know, there are hundreds of uh, partners here, so it's a fantastic thing. It's well worth the uh, energy expended. And I've been watching it online. I've seen many of the keynotes, the special presentations from customers and partners, all of the exciting news. I love Bill McDermott's keynote yesterday. Empathy is the key word. Empathy. We could use that word today, couldn't we, Susan, on this show, talking about entrepreneurs, the always-on entrepreneurs surviving and competing against the big guys, the big gals. Because empathy, uh, I think the digital world, digital tools and digital savvy is giving some empathy to these 24-7 always-on entrepreneurs. Would you say that's a good way of looking at it, Susan? I think it's a great way of looking at it. And I also think it's there's an empathy component to the customer who's involved as well because the customers, right, they don't really see when they buy, whether they're buying from a small business or a large business. They set that bar of what they want their customer experience to be, regardless of the size of the person that's delivering on that. So you got to have some empathy for the small business who really is saying, all right, my customer expects me to be as good and as strong and as fast and as reliable as somebody who may have a billion in market cap. How do I do that? So you got to have some empathy because uh, how would they get up in the morning? You know, if you look at it that way, you think, God, I can never make it happen. But if you use technology, then you can say, you know what? I can use these small tools that help me deliver on that same customer experience in a more nimble way. You spin it so that you can turn it into a positive. Thank you very much. I I like the way that went. I like that spin. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Lil. Thank you, Max. I'm going to give you all a chance to take a sip of whatever, whatever's in your cup or whatever else you want. I'm going to drink my usual cool, clear water in a cool, clear glass from a Brita filter. Nothing fancy with a pink straw because the sun isn't quite sure it wants to stick around here in New York. And we would love another sunny day. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. If you're keeping track, I think it's episode number 231, but I can't be absolutely sure. We lose track after a while. Our topic today, becoming digital, staying human, surviving as the always-on entrepreneur. And this is part two of the topic we started in March on our series, Meet the Visionary Game Changers. And we're going to take a quick break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram 
at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back. We're speaking today with Lil Moen at the University of Chicago Booth Graduate School of Business and Max Dower, the everything for, we're talking about entrepreneurs, the everything for unfortunate portrait, a very successful business that he kind of started accidentally. Actually, his fans started it for him or made him start it. And Susan B. Reynolds, Global VP of Partner Ecosystem at SAP, calling in from Sapphire Now in Orlando. We're going to kick off the roundtable with something from Lil Moen's notes. Here's an interesting quote. And Lil, it's yours. I'll start with this and then ask you to expand it. And then we'll ask Max and Susan to join in. You say, social networks as a marketing weapon is a double-edged sword. The network amplifies negative sentiments just as efficiently as it does positive notions. Lil, please tell us more. It's unfortunate, isn't it, if you look at it um, at the surface. But we can use social networks to to really mitigate the situation it creates. It's, it's very obvious what's happening when, when people make some negative comments about uh, products and services, and especially if you're a small business, you have to respond pretty immediately. And fortunately, we have all kinds of tools in the, in the marketplace today in, in marketing which let you do that. There are things called social media listening posts. And at the end of the day, you want to obviously, as a company uh, rep- representative, want to mitigate negative situations by saying, okay, and being very palliative and, you know, being very uh, uh, adjusting and coming across as somebody who cares about your customers and that opportunity is available from social media. And it's really important that you take that opportunity as a, as a small businessman. It's, it's crucial because if you don't, uh, what I said earlier will happen. And, 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 and that's really what helps you build a longer term relationship as well. What about that double-edged sword? Let's let's pull that back before we get Max and Susan to talk to us. Lil, in terms of being online 24-7, how vigilant do you need to be? What if somebody around the world bought a product? I'm not going to use Max as an example. Bought, bought your product, and they have a big mouth, and they're an angry you-know-what, and they're just basically deriding and smashing the product or your service, and they're a continent away. And when you wake up, you find there's a whole stream of angst against your product. What's that possibility? of? Do you have to have somebody literally minding that part of your store overnight in case it happens? Or should you just say, well, I had a good night's sleep. Now I'm better equipped to handle it. What do you think? It, it depends on the seriousness, Bonnie. In, in, in most, most companies now use some sort of a paging system. If there is a lot of negative sentimental words, you can kind of uh, train, you can, you can tell the system that if you get so many, if I get more than 10 bad words coming in in, the, in a frequency of more than one or two minutes, I want to be woken up. I mean, you can, you can actually set things like that. So you don't necessarily have to wake up if the conversation is not, I mean, really getting bad. But you, 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 ha- you may have to wake up in the middle of the night, unfortunately, simply because... But if you want the benefit of getting business and money from halfway across the world, you should also have the uh, put in the work to make it work. Mm-hmm. Good point. Thank you very much. Max Dower, what's your thought on this, please? Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it used to be like you, you know, you'd see stores that have like were 24-7, and that was like a big plus, like a big bonus that they would stay open. But now, you know, with these online stores, you're just, you are 24-7 by default, you know, so things can mm-hmm. happen overnight and like you're saying you wake up the next day and someone from another continent has said something negative and and it's on your social media for me you know that's just part of 
doing business this way, and I, I, I don't give it as much weight as, like, I'm going to be waking up in the middle of the night or have someone else wake up in the middle of the night to address it because I think that there's still as much as people are relying on each other online to kind of gauge, you know, a product's viability, they like to decide for themselves. So, you know, if you have one person who's gone out of their way to really bash something, right, on social media, on your account, mm-hmm. like the chances are that not a ton of people are even going to see that. And the ones that do, you know, they still are going to want to get other opinions, you know, and read other comments. And then you'll, they'll see the positive ones. And then they're more, you know, like, okay, this is not a sure thing opinion. And I'm going to make my own opinion. So I don't really rush to, you know, address that one negative comment, but uh, it does need to be addressed, you know, as soon as you wake up, but definitely not worth waking up in the middle of the night over to me. Thank you. I appreciate the voice of reason. Thank you very much, Max. You're in the trenches. You know, Susan Reynolds, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a a constant treadmill right now that Max and Lil have done a nice job of putting the bookends for it. And I think I, I tend toward, when I have conversations with small businesses, we talk about that. What's the threshold by which it matters? Again, because they're constantly prioritizing. And so I do think what Max um, and Lil mentioned are useful on both sides because we talk a lot about data. Like, how do you use data and turn an event into something that you can say, okay, as Max mentioned, one of them, well, you can't wrap yourself around the axle around one thing that happens at four in the morning that you can address when you get up. But once it hits that barrier, then you really need to be able to deploy your whole team and attack it. And so we, we talk about things like, all right, how do you set a threshold so that someone can get a good night's sleep, feeling like they're monitoring what's going on, and know that when they wake up in the morning, they have a way to address it. So I think it was a nice job of um, really those two really reflecting what, what I see also with customers every day. Thank you very much. Let me circle this back to Lil. Anything you want to add to this, Lil, before I move to another topic from Max? Yes, very quickly. Now, yeah. there is a way to there's a way to dial this carefully and a way to prioritize. One of the things to look for are is are the negative comments coming from a from a, a erstwhile protagonist or somebody who is an advocate. That is an important way to segue to segment it so that you can decide whether you really need to bother about it or not. It's a strategy that we normally teach our students. Interesting. Okay, good. So, an intelligent approach. Max Dower, I'm looking at your notes, and there's a couple places I'd like to go, but let's talk about these digital tools that hopefully will add some empathy and add a little bit of breathing room to the entrepreneur's life. You say small companies and individuals that rely heavily on e-commerce for distribution and on social media for marketing should spare no expense when it comes to the technology they use. They should have the most up-to-date hardware, devices, efficient software, infrastructure, and even the best internet connection speeds available. So how does a small budget startup deal with this, Max? Um, I think that it's, you know, we're lucky in that none of these other things need to cost money. You know, you don't need to have a an ad spot on, on TV that you funded in order to get a message across. Like, we're saving so much money in all these other places. And, and in my case, you know, it was a few hundred dollars that started the business. You know, just like printing some shirts was where the first expense went to. But, you know, I, I think that there's definitely going to be a budget because of all the money we're now able to save as part of launching a business um, and, you know, the marketing expenses and all that, that 
you better be sure that it works, you know, like when you are trying to respond to these comments that we're talking about and, you know, you are posting content on social media that you want to be, like, visually appealing and get people's attention, like, you need, you know, if there's a a new phone with a better camera, you know, like, you you need it, I, I think, you know, in my opinion. I just think that you... People, you know, it's not so expensive. Like I was looking at, you know, always trying to save money, but, you know, Time Warner had, there's this internet speed, which is $25 less than this top internet speed. And, you know, I don't know if it's uh, stupid or not, but I went for the top one. I think it's faster. It seems faster, but just, you know, you, everything needs to work. That's the tech that's supporting you because it's not human and it's supposed to be the, the thing that doesn't make the mistakes. So, let it do its thing and let it work to its full potential so that you cannot have to focus on, you know, is, is my phone loading too slow or just things that get in the way of all these things that we're talking about. I think it's a relatively inexpensive investment to have just up-to-date, you know, technology. And I'm not talking about anything crazy, just like the phone would probably be the most expensive of all these things I'm, I'm talking about. But yeah, that's just my opinion. Okay, and I'm going to add one more thing to your statement before we get Susan and Lil to chime in. You also say social media and e-commerce eliminate the need for startup capital, usually or traditionally needed to launch a business in many cases. Virtually anyone can start a business, I will add the word virtually, at any time. So this goes along with it. So you're saying there's so much, there's so much freebies, there's so many freebies and things that are inexpensive that you cannot spare the expense to get the tools you need. Let me ask Susan to chime in on this. Right. I think that the, the tools in the cloud especially, right? You used, mm-hmm. you used to have to have an IT budget when you started a business. And Max is a great example, right? You didn't have an IT budget. He started with some T-shirts and an account. And he's using the cloud to his advantage to say, I'm going to put my capital into my products and my processes, but I'm not going to have to put it into infrastructure that's going to uh, – you know, evolve and be old in a year. So you're really letting some other people, right, take on that hard capital dollar expenditure, and you're really putting your money into what are some things that actually drive better processes and streamline and help me get a good night's sleep, um, not where do I stick a server, and I never wanted a server, and I have no idea how to fix one <laughs> if it's broken. <laughs> Thank you very much. Lil Moen, what do you talk to your MBA students about? Is this, this a topic that you cover in depth? In fact, quite a bit because uh, we talk about scalability and I use the phrase business in a box, especially when you start talking about entrepreneurs, whom, I mean, a lot of whom I teach. I think one of the things that we, that uh, the people don't really know, I mean, not enough people know and they're starting to get to know are companies like, you know, Amazon and, uh, uh, and uh, Microsoft and uh, all, all the large companies. They are now offering a very simple and scalable model by which you can start your business, and and the and the level of knowledge that you need to know of the so-called you know ne, you know nefarious backend and cloud is actually getting to be smaller and smaller, which actually is really good for the entrepreneur, because a lot of people who come to my class saying, oh, I don't know how to set this up, and I, you tell them, look, you go to Amazon and read these three pages, and within about half an hour you'll have set it up, and you don't have to pay much money, and if you really start to scale your business and Thousands and thousands of people are going to come to your site soon enough. You can then decide to scale it up. And that's really one of the things which is uh, rather beautiful. I like the rather beautiful part. I like that a lot. Max Dower, do you agree there's a rather beautiful part to what Susan and Lil have added to your comment? 
Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm someone who really doesn't understand what any of these things do in the back end. Like, I, I really, you know, I, I, something is going wrong. I have no idea about coding or anything of these things, so I, it's really important to me that that is streamlined. And uh, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm glad to hear Lil and Susan say these things because I truly like don't know how to use this technology. I, so I really just hope it works. And um, if you know, if it is a problem later where it needs to be scaled up, like there's going that means there's going to be money to add the infrastructure that's necessary. You know, um, when you have more and more customers. So I think that, especially at the early stages, it's very simple. You can just kind of know very basic things technology-wise and still mm-hmm. be fully equipped to run, you know, an Internet store Max, I'm going to ask. Coder. I want to ask you a question uh, for our listeners because you're, you're the real deal. You're there in the trenches. How shocked were you when your t-shirt images took all your sales took off on instagram were you prepared to be a business was this a hobby at the time was it a oh i wish i may i wish i might somebody sees and buys my t-shirt tonight how serious were you when you started putting them out there when you think oh this will be fun I'll, I'll get a couple of fans what were you shocked was it an aha was it a yes mom and dad i'm not going back to law school what was that moment like for you I was I was shocked. I, I think um, I, call, I remember calling my mom. There was like, you know, I, I had been doing it for a few months very casually and had, you know, probably in the hundreds, maybe low thousands of, of, of followers. And then there was, I, I did one drawing where there was this rapper named Pusha T and he was in the drawing and he reposted it. And that was the first time something like that big had happened and I remember my phone notifications on Instagram it was literally like a hundred new followers every maybe 20 seconds I'd say and like I'd never even seen that many notifications of any kind on my phone and it was a little bit scary I was just like what does this mean you know now there's all these people and and like okay well I guess I really should put this one on a shirt and, and see if they you know want it and they did and I think that was the moment where it was like Shocking, a little scary, definitely exciting, but uh, not something at all I was prepared for and didn't know how to really handle it other than, like, call my friend and my mom and be like, what's this mean? You know, what, what do I do now? So, yeah, it was definitely shocking. <laughs> what do I do? Who did I hear? Was that Lil or Susan? I heard somebody giggling in the background. Any comments on, on how often? Let me let me go to you, Lil, since you teach. Uh, you teach all these skills how often do you hear from a student that they had a business that took off like like fireworks like Max's did? Oh, it's very, very rare, Susan. Actually, you, uh, sorry, Bonnie, I, I, really, I really think it's rather rare. And it's fortunate and it's wonderful to talk to people like this because Max is one of the fortunate few. And, and, and the, you know, truth be told and, and to give the credit where it's due, these businesses take off because there's something concrete and good underneath it. So obviously the T-shirts were really of high quality and good, and they struck a chord. And that's really the most important thing. And this is one of the things that I teach, saying, look, if you made something really good, there's a very good chance there are a bunch of people who like it. And, but not enough people have enough things that this happens every day. Thank you. Susan, want to get your take on this before I move on to a topic from your notes. Go ahead, Susan. Yeah, I think it is fairly rare, but that's why I love it because I, the thing about it that I really like about 
Max's work is that it makes me laugh. And I think about that back to sort of the theme of what we've been talking about with you over these last couple of sessions is there is something about humanity that even within this great technology that we use and where I spend, you know, most of my days is in working with technology, something that, you know, really makes you laugh out loud and smile, people are really attracted to. So I love the idea that Max had this really human, you know, approach as an artist that's caught on and now he's able to scale all over the world. Technology is helping him. It's not stopping him. He's not having to figure out all these complexities. He's using really simple, cool tools that let him focus on that piece of the spark and, and that joy. Mm-hmm. And then the, the technology becomes an enabler of keeping that going. I mean, because Max, when I, when I hear you, how you spend your days, I don't think you spend a lot of time thinking about your technology strategy. You're thinking about the artwork, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't, like, it gives me a headache to think about the technology for more than, <laughs> like, 20 minutes at a time. I, yeah, I tend to just, you know, let, let that run itself, and, you know, and, and there's people, you know, like, as part of these, any of these platforms we're talking about, there's, the, the good thing is that increasingly there seems to be humans behind it and supporting it, you know, so you, if you need help, you can still call someone, and they'll explain it to you, you know, it's not... Like, it used to be more like, I found that, you know, I'd have to read six articles to get an answer on one problem, but now it seems like there's there's kind of this merger of technology and people where you can still, you know, if I have a problem with my back-end system, like, there's a person I can email or call and say, hey, like, explain this to me, or, or can you work on this, and, you know, there, there, yeah, there's a good support system in place for all this stuff. Yeah, because I don't think technology, Bonnie, has gotten simpler. Right? Yep. To me, technology has actually gotten more complex. Yes. But we've gotten better at focusing on the customer experience because we figured out not everybody wants to think about themselves as technologists. They want to think about what's my experience. And so I think we, as technology folks, are getting better at understanding the customer experience and saying we've got to, we've got to make their lives easier so that Max doesn't have to think about it and give himself a headache. Mm-hmm. Max, I am uh, so intrigued and, and thrilled with your honesty and your candor with us today. We really appreciate it because you're the real deal. You're a real person. Uh, you have empathy for other entrepreneurs, I'm sure, who are going through the same thing. It's like we're talking to a living case study, right, Lil? <laughs> we, we are. Absolutely. We are. And speaking of case studies, I want to turn to some research Susan Reynolds provided to me before the show, uh, quoting a source in Retail Week, that's retail-week.com. She noted that 50% of retailers say their international sales have increased in a share of revenue since the last year. And Susan spoke to a small business retailer who was doing almost 10% of their total revenue in Denmark with no advertising and no initiative to enter that market, and it grew organic from their online presence. Susan, can you tell us more? Right, and I, <clears throat> we're seeing this quite a bit, right? Because when you, when you put something out into the, uh, to an online store, really anyone can find it. And it was a story uh, actually somewhat similar to what Max has talked about, that it's viral, where right? you get a couple of people who love something, they tweet it out a couple of times, they, they put it in their social media on their Facebook page, and then it starts to catch on. So I think those kind of opportunities, we highlight them, and even though they are not like they happen every day, right? These are some of the best um, success stories you can talk about like that, and that was a particular company called MRKT. Um, and, and so I think it, it becomes a question of how do we 
talk about using those kind of tools and being, being able to catch those little sparks when they happen. So they, once they picked up on this, right, clearly now they do a lot of work there and they're really taking advantage of that. So it's with this massive landscape, you can get these, these flares uh, and then use the tools and technology to jump on them and say, okay, well, I don't really have to go open an office in Denmark. I just have to think about how do I use more um, digital tools to reach that customer, use the amplification that Lil talked about when we first started to then really capitalize on that. So I think it's a question of using the opportunistically, and then you may catch these little flares like Denmark, and then you spin back around and say, okay, now that I've identified it, I don't have to go open an office there and put a server there. I just use my tools to, to address it. Thank you very much, Susan. Lil, what do you think of that? Is this something you would use as a case study in your, to your students? Actually, yes, I would. I mean, these these are the kinds of examples that I use to show something called a long-tail effect, meaning mm-hmm. on the Internet there's something called a long-tail for every little term. And you might think that you might be some corner niche case. It's only 100 people in Los Angeles would uh, look at this stuff. But you, you don't know that there are these pockets of 100 people in 80 other countries suddenly becoming, you know, instead of 100 people, you have 8,000 people. And that's that's the kind of amplification which happens simply because of the international effect, and uh, this is absolutely wonderful to hear. I, I, I also think, you know, it's not just the tools. It's just people look for stuff. And if you happen to be having the stuff that people are looking for, that's the time to jump on it and build a relationship. With All you need to do is build a relationship with one human being somewhere in Denmark, one person in Japan, in Tokyo, and then suddenly, you know, they become your... Uh, protagonists, your uh, advocates, and then suddenly your market starts to take off without doing a whole bunch of formal marketing and things of that sort. Interesting. Max, how much of your business is very far away, meaning not in the U.S. or not on the West Coast? How much of it is global? Do you have any any concept of that you could share? Yeah, yeah, a good amount of it is actually, and I think that, that, uh, yeah, I agree with Lil, and and for, for us, it's Retailers, it's stores that are, you know, there's stores in countries that I personally never had the chance to travel to that are carrying my shirts. And that is like a really cool thing to me, but would only happen because, you know, someone there saw it online and, you know, a buyer from the store decided they wanted to carry it. And then that spreads awareness. And like, for example, uh, a store in Moscow carries the shirts. And so now, Online, after after people in Moscow have been introduced to it via this store that they trust as a business, they're now coming online. Like, oh, what else does this company sell? You know, in this store, there's one in Switzerland as well. I've never been to either of those countries, but my shirts are there. You know, so it really is Mm -hmm. astonishing to me how vast, you know, you, you can spread the message and how many people that you wouldn't even think is your market are finding out about it and, and turn out they might be like one of your biggest markets, you know? And uh, it's really important, though, to have a relationship with someone who's a trusted local source for what's cool and, and what people should be buying as kind of your advocate. And that's, for me, has been largely, you know, like having retailers in, in these countries that mm-hmm. want to carry this stuff. Amazing. It must be very exciting to be you, Max Dower. I want to uh, throw a question out to the panel. We have just about three minutes before we start our crystal ball roundtable, our predictions round at the end of the show. I'm just reading something from Susan Reynolds' notes. I'm just going to get some tips from all of you, starting with Susan. How does a small business manage 
many social networks, many social channels, including Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and, let's say, even LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Anything and everything, do you need a staff to monitor those? Is there a tool to do it? Do you have to be, as the owner, the entrepreneur, the one who cares the most, do you have to be the one who checks them all the time, or will a dashboard uh, help, or multiple dashboards help? Susan, what's the trick for a new business to be everywhere on social so that, like Max, you can find out when your business catches fire in a good way? Right. Yeah, I think the first thing that, and the real core that the, the entrepreneur and the owner is responsible for is the message, right? They've got, to, they've got to deliver on having a great message. That's the one thing I think you, you've got to own in your heart and believe in, and then you, then you worry about amplifying it. And when you talk about the amplification side of it, I absolutely believe this is a place you need to use a tool. Something like a brand networks is a great partner that we work with because, you know, the, each one of those individual um, social media channels is very different in terms of how they approach. And so not, I don't think a blanket peanut butter approach of like just be everywhere and shout all kinds of stuff across all the channels is going to work for anyone. So I think you need a little help. And that's the advice that I talk to entrepreneurs about is you've got a very small amount of money. So, absolutely that that money is golden but spend it with some specialists that can really help you you know don't be afraid to ask an expert because you're going to spend a lot more money if you just try to cover everything yourself without any expertise so i think in that particular space in social it's a great place to ask for some help um first get your message right and then speak to to someone who does that all day with their time and can help you really direct what whatever your investment is whether it's limited or large, into the right places. Thank you very much. Good point. This goes back to what Max said about putting your whatever budget you have into the right tools. But let me go to Lil first. Lil, thoughts on this? Agree or disagree with Susan? Agree, and I want to, I want to amplify, if I may. Mm-hmm, uh, I want sure. to take the opposite side of this, which is what she mentioned about getting the message out. I'm going to talk about listening, which is figuring out what people are saying and how do you get things back in. There are all these tools like social media, listening posts, and things of that sort. But I think the most critical thing to do is to figure out what specifically are you tuning to, to your ears to listen to. Because you, you can listen to a lot of chatter. And I think you need to figure out, and there are tools by which you can do this, is to figure out the specific things that you want to listen for when you are listening to all the things that you think are, attack, attempt, uh, are, are uh, uh, affecting your business. And those, those, are the, those are the listening qualities which are some things which I think are really uh, clever things to do. And I'm a very big believer in saying uh, digital media marketing is all about listening and more of listening and less of talking. All about listening. Very important. Max Dower, what are your thoughts? Listening and tools and being out there on social. How many social channels do you, does your business need to monitor all the time, Max Dower? So I kind of deliberately decided, you know, only to have a limited number of social channels because I think that it's, you know, often taken lightly or just people are going off of, hey, you need a Twitter, you need a LinkedIn, you need a Facebook, you need an Instagram, you need a Tumblr. Like the list can really, Pinterest, it can be an infinite list of of channels that people are saying, oh, you're a business, therefore you got to be on this one. And for me, it's been important to kind of narrow the focus on to being you know, very good at one or two of them, um, and instead of, because people can, you know, do a Google search and be introduced for their first time to your brand via one of these platforms. So if they're doing a search and they found, for example, our Twitter, which, 
is non-existent, they'd be like, what is this? You know, this is not even a real brand. Like, what, they don't update, they don't say anything. So I just did away with the Twitter account because I'd rather people not see a Twitter at all than see one that doesn't look like, you know, a strong brand or, you know, reliable uh, source of information. So for, for us, it's Facebook and Instagram, and the Facebook's only, you know, I have someone helping me with that now because, yeah, you, you can't do it all yourself. You know, I really focus on the Instagram, and uh, that's really it, honestly. Like, I, you know, I tried to be as strong as possible on that platform instead of spreading things out thinly amongst all the platforms. You know, if there was a budget for a team of a bunch of people, and I think that for companies like that, it might make sense to have all platforms ready to go. But when you're working with limited resources, I think it's more valuable to focus in on one or two than to try to do all of them. Thank you, Max. Very candid. We really appreciate that. And you know what? We are almost out of time. I'm going to give each of you, oh, let's say 45 seconds or make it half a minute, whatever you want. Lil Moen, I appreciate your looking into that crystal ball at the University of Chicago and telling us what do you see on the horizon for the always-on entrepreneur in the year 2020 or any time in the future. Lil, go ahead. 30 seconds, please. I'm going to mention one a tendency that I'm seeing in people's attention spans. And I think by the time you get to 2020, people's attention spans will be so small that entrepreneurs will, don't, will have to make messages less than 20 seconds in any digital medium because anything beyond that, nobody's going to listen to. Ah, brief and to the point. I think you're absolutely getting there. Very good point. Max Dower, 30 seconds predictions, please. Um, I think that the tech is going to become a lot more customizable over time for for the entrepreneurs. And and instead of being given this, like, flood of tools all in one place, you know, and having to decide, well, which one do I need, we're going to have a better understanding of what tools actually fit for our business and be able to customize all these services to our businesses specifically, I think, more and more. Thank you very much. Susan Reynolds, I saved 30 seconds for you. Yeah, I think there's going to be more people that have kind of dual careers because I think it is going to allow people to explore these. Everybody's got kind of this idea that they're excited about and this dream they wish they could follow. And I think this, that all these things we've been talking about today and this digital transformation and breaking point is going to let people start it on the side and, and maybe do it uh, as Max did, turn it into a complete business or maybe something they just do in parallel with another career that they have. So I think the, the idea of entrepreneurship is going to change over time so that you can be both maybe a corporate person and an entrepreneur at the same time. Wonderful. Thank you all. Very, very interesting conversation. I'm so pleased the three of you accepted my invitation to bring it over to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Do you think we could do a part three, Lil and Max and Susan? You'd be willing to come back and talk a little more? We'll pick another spin. What do you think? Yeah, it's always great to talk to you, Bonnie. I really enjoy it, especially You're with you wonderful. guys. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank, I'll, I'll send you all an invitation. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So, Thanks. shout it's out. Really, it's really very lively. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm thank very you, pleased. I'm, I'm very pleased. I think this was a great conversation. Thank you to Lil. Thank you to Max. Thank you to Susan. Thank you to Justin and the Business Channel team. And we are just about out of time. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Max, we need you to design some artwork for seatbelts because my call to action is the same. we got to jazz it up. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Max, I'll, I'll partner with you on this one. Have a great one, everyone, and enjoy Sapphire if you're there. Susan, keep those walking shoes on. I know you're going to need them. Everyone, have a Thank great you. day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.